heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Oh, hello, YouTube. I am live. This is episode 70 of YWC Football Talk. As you guys can see, Gabby Hurlbutt of BostonBalling.com and the Boston Balling Podcast is here with me. Um, before we get things started and talk football, I just want to say happy International Women's Day to you, Gabby, because I know you're making leaps and bounds with uh, just the whole female scene in sports broadcasting. And uh, welcome back to YWC Football Talk. How are we doing today? Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I really appreciate you bringing me back on the show. Um, it's definitely an honor. It was it was a great conversation last time, so looking forward to it. Yeah, you know what? That's what it is. Uh, just, I was looking forward to this, too, just because last time we had such a good chat the day after the Super Bowl. Some stuff's kind of, like, mellowed out since then, but now is, like, the new season. It's like, oh, football, it's, like, seven months away, but guess what? We've got this, people getting cut, people signing, and speaking of signing, folks, we've got the latest NFL signing. I'm just going to pull it up on my phone right now so I can get the exact numbers. But the Dallas Cowboys have signed quarterback Dak Prescott to a very impressive deal. Four years, $160 million, including a record $126 million guaranteed. Uh, the first three years averaged $42 million, making him the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL, only behind Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I'm going to ask your thoughts first. What do you feel about this, uh, or how do you feel about the contract in total? Yeah, you know, I think it was well overdue for them to really make a commitment to him. Um, I think if they were to franchise tag him again, that would have been a little disappointing to see just because when he got injured, it became pretty pretty evident that they needed him and that he was a key part of their offense. And, and they were they were playing really pretty well at the beginning of the season when they had him. And then when he went down, their offense kind of went downhill after that. So it just became pretty apparent how important to that offense he is. So I think he deserved a longer term deal with them than just another franchise tag. Um, so I think that signing him to an extension and a, and a longer term deal, I think makes sense in the grand scheme of things. Um, it is a lot of money though, for somebody that's coming off of a big injury like that. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a gamble I'd say. And, and obviously we hope that he comes back stronger and that he's better than ever now um, after coming back from his injury, but it's, it's, um, I mean, I'm happy for him. I think that he deserves that money, and I think that he's going to be somebody that can do good things for that team longer term now. And I think that having him back is going to set them up for success, especially within their own division, because the other teams in the division right now are still kind of at a point where they don't really have a lot of the pieces that they need. And I feel like Dallas does have a lot of pieces and, and Dak has a lot of weapons over there. They just need to fix their defense. They can fix their defense and maybe get like an offensive lineman or something for him. I think that they can be in really good shape to be playoff contenders this upcoming season. So I do think that signing him like that was a good move. It's just a lot of money. Exactly. That's the one thing where I get to where it's a lot of money for someone coming off of a, a injury, especially a, such a big high profile injury like his. Um, my only thing is now, okay, you got Amari Cooper's paid, Zeke's paid, yeah. Dak's paid. Obviously, you have CD Lamb on that uh, rookie deal. Their defense has to pull their act together. And they're like, this is not a contract where it's like, and especially to, if this was in a different market, it'd be like, all right, whatever, you have some time. 
I, this puts Dallas in. You gotta win now. You gotta make the playoffs. This I think you have to make the playoffs this year. We're gonna be hearing, yo, we dumb boys, we're winning the Super Bowl win. The last time they won a Super Bowl, I think I was two. Yeah. So I'm 27 right now. So let's let's do that math. It's been about 25 years. Yeah. But if they don't do anything to improve their defense, it kind of like cancels out because oh hey, yeah, you do all this good, but it's like you said, defense, offensive line, because I was bored yesterday, flipped the NFL network on and saw that it was a old game this year from this year actually between Dallas and Seattle. And there was a lot of those plays where Connor Williams was getting beat clean, especially against the weaker pass rusher like Seattle had. So you're right, get an offensive lineman. You know what? Get a tight end. Um, I actually released my first mock draft on my WordPress this past week. I had them taking um, defensive lineman Christian Barmore out of Alabama, something they need to help with, like Jalen Smith, Vander Esch, et cetera. But for a hot and heavy football market like Dallas, this is either going to look great in a few years or this is going to look bad. And when I say that, it's just because, look, they there's going to be pressure on them to make the conference championships just because also, too, I know I'm Canadian, you're American, but I know how much ESPN loves to talk about the Cowboys. So we'll see what happens. I feel like ESPN had more attention like on where, if Dak was going to sign or not than the rest of the NFL community. But you know what? It's done. I feel happy for him because when he's healthy, he can be a great quarterback. It's just now you got to go out there and prove why you're worth $42 million a year. Yeah, I you're exactly right. And I do think that the issue if the, if if the Cowboys struggle I don't think the issue is going to be Dak I think it's going to be the pieces around Dak and whether they can get enough weapons to really make a run for it and I think that he has a lot to work with offensively but there's a couple pieces there like you mentioned that I think that they can benefit from but that defense just really really concerns me because I mean they were terrible this year I mean they were they gave up like 42 points to the Browns and they had these other games that they were giving up all these points. And so how much can the offense really do if they have a defense that can't hold other teams? So they do need to do something about that defense if they want to make a serious run. But I do think that with Dak at the helm, they have a good chance of being competitive again and being one of those teams that we could actually see in the Super Bowl conversation, maybe not this year, but maybe sometime in the next few years once they have enough pieces that can really come together. I do think though that signing Dak was a really crucial part of that because if they let Dak go, you know, you're already risking signing a quarterback that would have to learn your system when you already have other pieces that you need to fix and address. And second of all, you have a quarterback that you know can play there and, and he understands the system and you've seen success with him when he's been there. So I think that this is somebody who's still young, who still has a lot to, to do in the NFL. And as long as he stays healthy, I think that this is going to be a team that in the next few years, we might see in that conversation as one of those teams that can make a serious run. So I do think at the end of the day, it was a good move. But like you said, he's going to have to go out there week to week and prove why he's worth all of that money that they're giving him and why he's up there with the Patrick Mahomeses who are getting these massive contracts. Exactly. That's that's the big thing to him. It's like, okay, you got paid, now prove it. Because that's a big thing with the NFL, too. I keep saying big thing for some reason. Um, <laughs> it's all to do with all these quarterbacks who get paid, and then they say, like, they get stagnant, or they kind of, like, see, like, okay, I got my money, I'm good. Like, we saw it with Jared Goff. We kind of saw it with Carson Wentz, even though injuries played something with that. And that's the same draft class. So if Dak can go back and kind of show not only to the Cowboys and their fans – to the whole NFL because you're under a very tiny microscope when you're in Dallas. Like, no matter how bad that team is, you're in the football epicenter. 
the limit for primetime games for each team per year is five. Yeah. And in that, they're going to be five every year. They're going to yeah. be on Thanksgiving yeah. at 430. Those are the games that you have to go out and show. Because if you look at Dallas's last two Thanksgiving games, Buffalo went in there and whooped them two years ago. And then last year, it was the football team. And Antonio Gibson ran wild. So it's that's the other thing, too, is you can look good on like in 1 o'clock and not 425, but it's that 8 o'clock window. Because even another game that comes to mind was the uh, Arizona Cardinals game, which is the first game after Dak got hurt, 38-10 to 10 mm-hmm. on Monday Night Football. So not good. That's a that's a big part to it too. No disrespect to the Cardinals, obviously. Bit they got the big they got the big signing last week. Dallas is the big signing this week for now because yeah. that's. But you got to go out there and show this is because like like I said, if this was the football team and Dak was there, okay, cool. It's like you got your quarterback. Now it's you got your quarterback. Now there's expectations, especially to how last season played out. I think they finished like six and ten. So you got to win it. You got. I think the division is their marquee for this year, but. As long as number 12 is still in the NFC, I don't see anyone stopping Tampa. So we'll see what happens. But it's going to be a very interesting uh, six months just of talks and hot takes and standing predictions. And when that schedule comes out, everyone's going to be showing, oh, when's Dallas playing? Where's this, this, this? Because I can guarantee you one thing, they'll be playing a primetime game or at 425 the first week or two of the season. I think they will be too. And and the thing about them is they're actually in good shape when it comes to their division because – being six and ten last year, that almost won the division. You know what I mean? Like a six and yeah. ten team. I mean, the Giants had the same record and almost won that division. Um, so I think they're because of the division they're in, they'd be in pretty good shape to probably win that division. Unless Washington can get a solid quarterback, then I think that Washington is in the best shape in that division overall. Um, but I I do think that the Cowboys do have a chance because of the division that they're in. They're just going to have to show that they can really compete against some of these better teams. Exactly, because like Washington has the one thing that Dallas needs. They have a defense. They're set. They've got yeah. offensive weapons. And the big thing too with Dallas is like Zeke did not have a good year at all this year. Whether it was with with Dak or without Dak, he was dropped. He had a really bad fumbling problem. Uh, Amari Cooper's that receiver who's always been known for not being able to show up in the big game situations. C.D. Lamb did prove himself, though, that he can play in this league. He had some moments where he balled, especially there was that one catch against the Vikings. But this, because like I said, when, and also, so here's the thing with Dallas that I've been bickering about for recently on this podcast. Their owners should not be their GM, but this is what happens when it is. So this falls on Jerry Jones if this doesn't bad. Everyone can look at Dak and be like, oh, you did this, this, this. At the end of the day, everyone's going to go and point the finger back to, uh, it's Jerry who gave him that money. Dak just asked for it. Jerry gave it to him. Yeah, and I've always said the owner, the owners need to stay out of like the logistical football stuff. You know, like they're the owners, and there are certain things that they should be doing. But when it comes to the strategy and the logistic football stuff, they shouldn't really be inserting themselves in that stuff. But yeah, I mean, all eyes are going to be on Jerry Jones after this one, and 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 once we see how the Cowboys do this year, and I think if they win their division this year then it will have been a respectable move for them. Um, I think the division should be the main goal for now, though, because, again, yeah. with him coming off of an injury, he might be rusty at the beginning, and we don't really know, and they are going to have to fix their defense. So there's other factors, too, but there's going to be a lot of eyes on the Cowboys this season after that move was made to see if they can really convert that and be serious contenders. Exactly, because if this year, if like they make it to the divisional round and lose, or even if there's an outside chance they make it to the conference championship, because I think the the NFC this year is going to be a very interesting conference. 
if you can do there, give your fans like something to hope for. So it's like, okay, maybe not in 2021 we're going to be good, but you're right. 2022, you want to like look ahead to the future. Kind of like what we saw with the Buffalo Bills in 2019, how in 2019 they lost in the wild card round, but in 2020, look, they made it all the way to the AFC Championship game. So yeah, and they the right- really ran into Kansas City, which was is just tough for anybody. But they, we saw the improvement from just in one season, the, like in that small period of time, the growth from Buffalo. So if the Cowboys can be like that and and just get out of their division go into the playoffs, even if they lose in the first round, then I think that'll be considered improvement. Like, okay, this is our starting point. We can only get, we can, we can work to get better next year. Exactly. And also, yeah, yeah, I know exactly. The one move they did do that I liked was they did bring in Dan Quinn to run the defense. And now everyone I know thinks, oh, Dan Quinn failed Atlanta Falcons head coach, but he was the uh, coordinator for the Seahawks when the Legion of Boom was at its best, when they won that Super Bowl against the Broncos, when they dismantled the Broncos. Um, I was actually, because I was read that about that today, because there was a book that I always bring up on this podcast. It's called The Dynasty by Jeff Benedict. Uh, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend checking it out. It basically goes back in time and shows like the history of the Patriots dynasty and like Robert Kraft, even his history buying the team. And I just read about like the 2014 season today and that how it mentioned the Patriots losing in the AFC championship game to Denver and then how the Seattle, uh, Seattle Seahawks dismantled them. Because I remember when it that game opened up, it was like, Okay, cool. Like they had the safety, they went up two uh, nothing quickly. But that was just the game where, look, if Dan Quinn can bring that defense and that defensive scheme to Dallas, it's going to be good. Now it's just yeah. you know what you have to do. You got to go out and get the right pieces to run that scheme properly because what they have right now is not exactly a good NFL defense. No, it's not. And with Dan Quinn, I mean, yeah, I just think being a head coach just wasn't equipped for him. I just don't think that that's really where he needed to be but as a being somebody that's just that can come in and just focus on the defense and be just a strict defensive mind I actually think might be a benefit to them and be a really good situation for them and I mean yeah I mean as head coach I just don't think that was really the spot for him but I do think that was a good move on Dallas's part and I think that we are going to see some improvements on the defense with him in that position and hopefully they can see some growth in that area as we go into the next few seasons, because they can be really, really good in a couple of years. If they, if they execute right and they do all this the right way. It's like poker. You just got to play your cards, right? That's what the Dallas Cowboys have to do. Look, you pushed your chips all in, you gave all your star players your money. Now you got to hope that the cards fall in your favor. Otherwise, if you don't, it just, it looks bad on the organization as a whole. And then you got to, it, it, it leaves those question marks where you're in that purgatory. And I've always, I've started saying this more recently, but like you want to be either good or really bad. If you're stuck in that purgatory, like we know from 2020, obviously certain, certain team, um, you don't want to be in that purgatory. And that's what the Dallas Cowboys have been the last two years. So if they can get out of that purgatory and you know what, win above eight games, they're only going in the right direction. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm actually excited to see what they can do. And I think Dak, it'll be fun to see him come out this season and be like, you know, I was injured for most of the season last year. Like, I want to show what I can do, and I want to prove that I'm worth the money. So I think he's going to come out with a sense of urgency this year that we might not have seen. And I do think that overall we're going to see some improvement from last year. And I I think if they had had Dak this past season – they might have won their division and gone to the playoffs, uh, to be honest with you, because they they were really, really close to making the playoffs even without Dak this year. So it'd be interesting. It's interesting to picture what could have been if they had him. And if they had everybody else still and they were playing the way that they played, 
um, which obviously wasn't great for a lot of the season. But they because they because of the division they were in, they still almost got out of that division without Dak. So I'd be curious to see if they would have won the division over Washington if they if Dak had been playing. I I, th- I think so, just because there was a few of those games like they got, they got blown out by Washington twice. I don't think that happens. Uh, I don't think I don't know if they beat Arizona, but I don't think Arizona's as bad of a loss as it was. Yeah. Uh, there's the one game against the Eagles where Ben DiNucci played. It was like I think like really low scoring. I think it was like ten to nine or something oh. like that. Or like at one point it was like in that realm. I don't think stuff like that happens if Dak was there. I still think there are some games they do lose. Like maybe they split with Washington. But you know what? They're either knocking on that playoff door or they actually make it. I do think that's the case with Dak, but. It, everyone kind of saw the writing on the wall maybe without just because like how the Giants were blowing them out in that game when uh, Dak got hurt. And then there was obviously the Cleveland game. And then Atlanta went, Atlanta became Atlanta, which we all, we've come to know. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, look, I got to crack a joke anytime I can get at the Atlanta Falcons. I'm not sorry about it. You set yourself up for it. So no, it's true. They set themselves up for the jokes. Yeah, exactly. So if the cow, like, and also to the Cowboys, there was that one bad play week one when Michael Gallup was, uh, should, they should, I believe it was, he got called for offensive pass interference when he shouldn't have been, or Jalen Ramsey should have been called for defensive pass interference. I'm just trying to remember which one it was, but there were certain things too leading up to it that if Dallas had done better, they could have even too with Andy Dalton and Andy Dalton, Garrett Gilbert, Ben DiNucci, because they all, I just realized too, the Garrett Gilbert Dallas Cowboys almost beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in a marquee CBS matchup. So, yeah. There's just those little things. Like, you're right. You know what? Honestly, I'm taking your advice. You are 100% right. I think the Dallas Cowboys obviously finished better than 6-10 and 10 with Dak, and they there's a good chance they actually make the playoffs. Yeah, I think so, too. Based on the division they're in and the circumstances surrounding the other teams in that division, I really do think they have a good chance at, at winning their division and going to the playoffs this year. Yeah, I exactly. Really that way. Yeah. Um, I want to switch gears, obviously, from Dak. Just, I want to talk a little bit about yourself, just kind of like, because obviously today's International Women's Day, uh, very day. What you're supposed to like? I'm trying to pick the right words here, but you ba- we basically recognize women for what they are, like the movements are making the all like how far women have come, and women in sports is something that I've gotten to know more of over the last little while. The one thing that it actually opened up my eyes to it was the whole uh, women in sports day back in I believe February 3rd when I actually first fell upon your Twitter account. That's why I messaged you to come on here. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and I like. I just wanted to like kind of see like because what I was saying was how a lot of people take the whole women in sports thing how it's kind of like they're always like not second fiddle but they're always kind of seem like it's not the same as men which is something I believe that is changing it's something that's continued to changing and someone like you who's doing uh, all this stuff like you have your podcast Boston Balling you're on here I know you went to school for this I went to school for television broadcasting so I was more behind the camera but I obviously in front of the camera now on my Mac but um, just wanted to talk a little bit about your about yourself and how far you've come as a sports cast personality here on uh, Twitter and just in the podcast world in general. Yeah, sure. So I knew I wanted to work in sports for a while. It was something that I just was passionate about and knew I wanted to pursue longer term. Um, so I ended up going to Ithaca College for four years. Um, great school. They had a great program for media. Um, I studied television and radio there, and and I learned so much about just the media industry as a whole. Did a bunch of internships that were on um, a bunch of different sides of the media industry, too. So I did a lot of on-air work. I I produced. I directed stuff. Um, I did um, social media stuff. Um, I did camera, and I edited. So I could do a lot of different things, which um, 
I think kind of set me up for post-college that I just had a lot of different skills and a really diverse resume when it came to my my skills within the media industry and and just kind of all the different things that I learned how to do. Um, So I started applying for jobs um, and then ended up getting a job at ESPN a few months after I graduated from Ithaca um, on their digital video social media team. Um, So that was pretty cool. Um, Basically just cutting video and, and basically managing what was posted on all of the online and social media accounts for ESPN, um, just managing all of those accounts. So that was that, that experience, um, in itself, I was like, Oh yeah, like this is awesome. Like if I want to be in sports, like I'm at the, the place to be like, I'm at ESPN, like this is awesome. Like I can make a lot of connections here and I can just learn from people that have been here for a while. Um, so then time passed and everything else. And then, I was like, oh, like, I think maybe it'd be fun to start my own podcast because I was still looking to get some on air work in and because um, I didn't get to really uh, that opportunity to do that to being at ESPN. So I was like, oh, maybe I could kind of do a side thing that I could have a platform to do some on air work and be able to share my thoughts on Boston sports and everything like that. So then I started Boston Balling um, in December of this year basically just focusing on all Boston sports. Um, I brought in some guests that are in the Boston sports scene, um, had some great conversations with people. And um, it's been a lot of fun. It's just like a creative way to just share my ideas and have my own platform to basically be able to do things and share my thoughts on the latest going on in Boston sports and been doing that since then. And it's just been a lot of fun. And I hope to continue to grow that um, grow the show and just continue to grow the following and the audience on it and just keep keep kind of growing in the sports field because I know that this is what I want to do still long term so kind of the more steps I can take now I'm hoping the more opportunities it opens for me later so yeah so here we are and I'm just kind of uh plugging through just hoping for the best and hoping to just continue to succeed and continue to grow the following that the show has. You know what? That's like you're you starting your podcast is very similar to why I started mine. Like always around like I because I, I always listen to like football podcasts while I'm at work and stuff. And I'm always like I'm always like self debating myself, talking to myself to like pass along the time. I know I sound like a complete weirdo right now, but you want you just want you want like an outlet. You want a voice to like air like whether it's airing your frustrations, giving your opinion, talking to friends. Or yeah. personalities like you do because I know I mainly do football just because it's I, I watch like I watch. A lot of sports like NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB. I play more golf than I watch. Yeah, I mean, golf is a hard sport to sit and watch and pay attention to for so long. I follow it more. I do follow it more now through playing it because I do have a better understanding for the game. But you're yeah, like, yeah. Football, yeah, yeah. But with football, though, it's just kind of the one sport I was connected with where I'm like, it's a year long thing. Like everyone thinks, oh, it just goes away for seven months, but in reality, um. What's it called? But in reality, like, if this is the second season that we're in right now. Like, this is where the true magic happens. Like, obviously, between September and February, it's great. Weekly games. Like, if, if it were up to me, there'd be a game every day. Yeah, I'm not Roger Goodell. Yeah. But we did, we did learn this year, though, that could work, obviously, under worse circumstances. But we did learn, like, hey, football on, like, a Tuesday night can work. Like, I watch both Tuesday night games. Yeah, I know. Yeah, me too. I mean, obviously, the circumstances weren't ideal, but like, because it was real, it was because of the pandemic and and the cancellations and stuff. But I liked it. I was like, I could get used to this. Like if they could put less games on Sundays and have games every day of the week, how how fun would that be? 
Exactly. I just don't think they would touch Friday or Saturday, just obviously because of college and high school. Like, yeah. even though, like, pe- like for people thinking, like, oh, high school, like, but there's some states where I don't know what the situation's like in New England, like Massachusetts, Connecticut area, how serious high school football is there. But, like, obviously, we have the states like California, Arizona, Texas, Florida. For a lot of small towns, it's it's a, it's a way of life. Like, that's Friday night. That's the true definition of Friday night life. So, if they could do, like, convince guys, like, hey, you're going to play on Tuesday. Because even there was talks – I'm going all over the place. But even there was talks, too, Peter King came out and said this. They were considering doing a Monday night wild card game even just to, like, get more traction. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's all about this. Yeah. And I think people would get behind, like, the Tuesday and Wednesday night games. Because I know even on social media I saw people reacting – to how fun it was, like, having t- random football games on, like, a Tuesday night. They'd be, like, when, when those games were on. And people were like, yeah. oh, this is awesome. Like, we get football tonight. And then the following Tuesday after that, when there wasn't a game, people were disappointed. And so I feel like people would be- get behind that if they just – if they don't have to touch Friday and Saturday, and I understand that because they should have Saturday be, like, the college football day still. Like, it always has been. And Friday nights, too, they play a lot of college games. So maybe leave those – but just spread out the other games so there aren't as many games on Sundays. And obviously keep the majority of games on Sundays and have that be the biggest football day. But maybe do like, you know, keep your Monday night game and then do like a Tuesday game and a Wednesday game and then obviously the Thursday game and just have like one game each of those nights and then everything else on Sundays. Like that would be fun. Exactly. Because like if you do that too, like obviously um – Obviously, there's some stuff with there just with like how players even were getting mad how they play Sunday and Thursday. But even if you do it Wednesday, you still have Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's a quick. It, Wednesday is actually. I'm just trying to think about you have to play how the teams play Monday. So even if they wanted to do the two Monday game thing, because I always like it week one. It's just I don't like how it's seven and ten because by halftime of the ten o'clock game, I'm like I I want to go to bed. Yeah, people like to go to sleep because they have work the next day, and so I feel like if they should move the games earlier, like start the first game earlier and start the second game. I mean, maybe at like 8.30 or so, even. I was just doing this with my hands. I'm not flashing gang signs to anyone. I was doing a six, and I was my, – my bad attempt at a nine. So if you could do like six o'clock or nine o'clock even, like the game's done around midnight, which, you know what, will suck waking up for work the next day, but something like I'm not going to be totally mad at. At least it's not ending at like 1.30 or in the morning or something crazy like that. You know what I mean? Exactly. If it's like 12 or 12.30, like I can literally just like watch into my room, and as soon as the game's done, flip it off, go to sleep, and then – Wake up. But, um, yeah, and it'd be hard to start a game at five because people are getting out of yeah. work at that time. So people would be driving home from work and not really be able to catch that game. So you kind of, the earliest they really could start it to be able to have people watching would be like six o'clock. Yeah, maybe six o'clock too. It's fine. It's, that's fine. I didn't mean to cut you off there. My bad. But like, okay. I just wanted to do, when you were doing that, I was just like, that's me. That's me. I, <laughs> I, I'm guy who misses the game at 5 30. Um, we have, uh, Randy going to the comments. Randy's one of my biggest fans, actually. Uh, just wanted to flash this comment quickly. Uh, clearly, he liked your first appearance. That's uh, Randy. That's why I brought her back because she was such a great conversation to have. Um, he actually did tweet at me the other day asking me a question, and I just got to pull it up here. Um, he says he's. He, I'm going to read the full tweet out to you. I got a question for your next podcast episode. What was the worst football game you watched on TV or attended live? Uh, for TV, I'm going to give an answer of this year, but since you're the guest and I'm a gentleman, ladies first, uh, what's your answer? Wow, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, worst football game I've ever been to or watched. Can this include college or does it have to be an NFL game? Whatever. Uh, you know what? Let's do one of each. Let's do one of each if, okay. if you want. I have, or if you I, have, 
I have examples of both. Sure, go right ahead. Um, so yeah, so I grew up really close to the UConn campus. So I grew up going to UConn football games, which as we all know, the UConn football program is just really kind of non-existent. Um, Shout out Dan They are not good. They're actually the exact opposite of good. Um, and the fact that they didn't have a season this past year and them not having a season was better than watching them lose every week. Um, but yeah, so there was one UConn football game that I attended when I was in college. It was Thanksgiving weekend. It was like, um, a couple of days after Thanksgiving, like that Saturday, it was freezing. It was like, like less than 20 degrees outside. Um, really cold, like we were, I, I like couldn't feel my, my legs at one point. Like by the time the, the first quarter was over, I was like, this is ridiculous. UConn was getting smoked. Um, they were losing like 30 to nothing after the first quarter or something like that was the score. Um, so I was like, okay, let's just watch the second quarter and see how this goes. Second quarter, they were still not scoring. The other team was putting up more points still. I want to say they were playing another, not even that good of a team either. They were playing like, um, I think they were playing like UMass, who wasn't even good that year either. Um, but they were still smoking UConn, and this was a terrible experience because we all we no, none of us could feel our feet anymore, and UConn was getting smoked. So we ended up leaving at halftime because I was like, "This is a waste of time. Like they're obviously not going to come back. Like the score is like fifty to nothing. Like let's just go." So we left at halftime, and I was like, "I am never going to another UConn football game when it's this cold ever again." I was like, "This team is not worth." like freezing and standing in the coals um, to watch this team that just gets smoked every week. At least if it was like a team like the Patriots that like maybe the game was close and, and there was a chance they could come back and win, then I would have maybe considered staying. But I was just like, I cannot do this. I can't deal with another whole half of this. So that was a really, really terrible experience. Um, and in terms of professional, so I've only really been to a few Patriots games, to be honest. Um, haven't really been to a whole lot. My very first Patriots game I ever went to was a couple of years ago. A, um, it wasn't even like a regular season game either. It was preseason. Um, but like I've been to a few games since then. And um, worst Patriots game I've ever been to. Um, this is this has been. It was a close win. That's fine. Um, no, no, this was this was interesting. It was actually um, they played the Bills, and um, it, this was another game where it was freezing. It was like December. Um, my friend, my friend's dad had season tickets. So I was with her and a club of her other friends. We drove up, we drove into Foxborough for the game. Like we tailgated, everything was fine. Like it was fun. And I was like, it's cold, but I wasn't really feeling that cold. Cause I was like, yeah, like I was like going back and forth between sitting in the car and coming back out and like keeping myself warm. So I was like, yeah, this is fine. Whatever. It's fun. We go into the game. Like there's all these Bills fans running around, um, too. And then like, we end up sitting down in our seats and like this was just a, ended up being a bad experience all overall because first of all, it was like a super close game. It was towards the end of the season too. Like this was the game where like the Patriots ended up clinching their division. And so like, if they had lost that game, like the, the, the bills were like pretty close to them too. Like in this, in the standings, the bills were only like a couple of games behind. Um, and I was like, Oh gosh, like this, cause it was really recent. It was only like a couple of years ago and the bills were pretty good then that year too. And I was like, okay, like this is so stressful. Like um, we, I was like, we need to like um, win this game. Like I can't deal with this. And, um, and, and that game ended up coming down to like a field goal. I think that the Patriots won on, um, but like, it was just freezing. The The Bills fans sitting next to us were being super obnoxious the whole time. And like my friend and I had to go to the bathroom and like, 
the line was ridiculously long because like a couple of the stalls, like the toilets weren't working. And so like, there was just a ridiculously long line. I was like, this isn't even worth it. Like I'm missing the game now. Cause like it was at halftime, but then it rolled over into the second half. And I was like, I, this is not worth it. Cause I'm missing the game, but I also really need to go. So like there were all these things going on. And then like, we wanted to get food and we wanted to get drinks and like they ran out of like the type of beer that I wanted at like the um, kiosk we went to and I, and it was there and it was, and it was also like 20 degrees and I was stressed enough about the game. So that was definitely not an experience. I think I would live again. Um, and usually I like, I love going to Foxborough for games. Like it's so fun and like the environment is really fun, but I just couldn't deal with it. And just the obnoxious people next to me were like the icing on the cake too. Cause like I was on the end for our group. So they were right next to me and like they were yelling the whole time and like screaming in my face. And I was like, I can't deal with this. And like one guy like spilled his beer like all over everywhere. So I was like, this is just getting to just be like a worse and worse experience as this day goes on. That's the hey, the important thing is though they got the W. That's that's the yeah, most important exactly. thing. One good thing that came out of the day was that they won the game. Like if they had lost the game, then I'm I would have just probably been like I can't come to another game again. <laughs> um, I gotta ask. I think I know which game it was. I think it was a Saturday afternoon game when they played in 2019. Is that? It was. It was a Saturday. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a Saturday game because I remember I took the day off from work because like usually I was working weekends. So I, I remember taking that Saturday off to go to the game. That's that's one thing I really hope because actually I'll go now because I've I've been to a bunch of games I've been to because when the Bills did their Bills in Toronto stint that ended in 2013 I went to a few of those I've been to two yeah. games in Buffalo and my most recent game was in 2019 I actually went to a Saint I went to a Saints game in New Orleans because it's weird here's me as a Patriots fan but downstairs is my father who's a diehard Saints fan so it's a very colorful household if you will um, yeah, that's interesting yeah. Yeah, because but I'm no, but I am lucky because my girlfriend's a Patriots fan, so it's like the silver lining of everything. Like, and I, I didn't make her a Patriots fan; she was one when I met her. I remember when she told Are me, like, care? she had, okay. yeah, she had like a decal in her car and everything, and I'm like, oh, that's why I'm still with her. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. She's a great, she's a great world. But no, her and I do want to make it down to Foxborough at some point. It's just figuring out when. But if we did go, the latest I'd probably go is probably October, just because yeah, of the weather. Like a September game before it gets too cold. Or even a September game. That's what I'm saying. I prefer September, but if I had to go early October, I wouldn't mind it just because I've heard so many good things like about the, the Hall of Fame, just checking out Patriot Place, like everything to do with Foxborough just sounds like such a great time in the stadium. Like it's just something I, it's like, oh, it's like bucket list for me. It is like there's so much to do around the stadium and it's just, it's just so fun being there. Like you can go there. There's a bunch of bars and restaurants around there and people just go to those all the time like even when there's not games going on like even during the off season like they're always open too so it's just a really good time and that was all missed during the pandemic which was really unfortunate but now with like things starting to open up again that type of stuff will be able to happen again so it just is a really good time like I really recommend you going there like you know maybe hanging out spending the day and and going to the game and checking out some of those restaurants and everything like that too because it is it is a really good time over there Exactly. I'd probably do something along those lines. Like even to like probably Saturday, go around, uh, go to like the, the hall of fame that's right next to the stadium. And then like yeah. look around. Cause even I saw, I think it was like a grocery store and like some other just crazy stores. Like it's like a little shopping mall almost like, and then there's just happens to be this big football stadium. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I know is, well, is I think it's like 40 minutes South of Boston or something like that. Yeah, it is. It's, it's about, yeah, it takes about like 45 minutes or so to get from there to Boston when it's all said and done. But then obviously it's a lot more than that if there's traffic, but overall it's really not super far from Boston. 
actually. Sure, sure. It's, well, not that's too bad, it's not too bad of a drive. Like people will go, sometimes people will go to to um, the area for a weekend to go to a Patriots game and they'll like stay in Boston and the, just so that they can check out that area too. And then they'll drive to Foxborough so that they can go to the game and stuff. But wherever they're staying, their hotel or whatever is in Boston. Because it's not yeah. that bad. They're not too far. Yeah, exactly. Because even too, if I go back to Boston, like I'd probably go back to Fenway or maybe even go to TD, which when you're saying too, the whole thing is because I've seen like uh, T, I don't know what the sock situation is for this year. Sorry, folks, we're going on an all football subject. But I know the Bru- I don't know if the Celtics are doing it, but I know the Bruins are allowing fans soon. I think they, I think they, it's the stadium in general, like the stadium's rules. So okay. because they both play at the Garden, they both can have fans. And and Fenway is allowing fans too at limited capacity right now. But um, but the um, Massachusetts governor said that that capacity is going to increase as the season goes on. So we'll we'll start to see more and more fans at baseball games as the season goes on. Yeah, because I, I, I only say that because I haven't heard anything. I figured it was like, you know what, if the Gadden is allowing um, – I had to, I had to say it in that accent. I had to. I figured if they were allowing Bruins people for Bruins games, probably Celtics games, I figure probably two 3,000 for each. And then yeah. Fenway probably could get away with probably 10,000 or something like that. But it still seems like a that's, – that's a decent for uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So if you uh, if go to a Boston uh, – if you go to Boston and Red Sox versus Tampa Bay Ray game, it'll be like a Tampa Bay home game. <laughs> so yeah, really, really, which is sad. I mean, I, I, with Tampa Bay, with, it's their location that the stadium's in. To be honest, I think where like where they don't get as many fans at their games. But yeah, it'll be nice to be able to go to baseball games this summer because that's definitely one of the biggest things I missed last year. Because I'm used to going to so many Red Sox games during the summer, so that'll be something that'll be nice to be able to go back to games. Yeah, no, that's the thing right now. My 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 boys, my Blue Jays are starting the season in their spring training home in Dunedin for right now. Not like obviously, you guys have Fort Myers, but uh, the Blue Jays are playing their first. They announced their first few home games. It's just because with the border being closed, they're not allowed to go to Toronto right now. So hopefully, they can be back in Toronto by June or July, and I'm able to go to a handful of games because it's the same thing. I like going to the games in uh, in the summertime when it's nice and warm out, and the stadium's uh, nice and open, and I. Haven't had an $18 beer in about a year or so, and I kind of miss that. <laughs> I know, yeah, me, me either, yeah. <laughs> so overpriced, but it's a good experience. Yeah, when, when everyone gets in right away, it'll just be like, yeah, just here, here, here's my visa, and I'll, I'll take it. But yeah. um, I want to go to the – I have two answers for worse. There's one live, and then there's one on TV. TV, it's simple. It was this year's game against the Niners. Like, it was just – it wasn't a fun game to watch. No, that's, it wasn't that's at all. All. That was a bad experience. <laughs> yeah, like, I remember I was I, I took my dog out at half to go for a walk to kind of, like, get my mind off things. And I'm just, like – my mind, my part of me is, like, okay, maybe if we do this, 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 we can come back. If we do this, we can come back. But then I'm just, like, get your shit together, man. We're not coming back. We're getting our asses kicked. We're losing <laughs> this game. We don't have Tom Brady anymore. We don't – we can't pull off miraculous comebacks like that. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, Worst Live was in 2011. I got to see the Patriots play in Buffalo – I was five rows up from the Bills bench. It was a good game. Like it was, it was a good game that the Patriots were playing well, and then Brady started throwing picks, and then also to the fans around us were really not giving us a warm welcome. Like I was, I think seventeen when this happened. Like my mom, my sister, and I, my dad got. I went, so I went with my parents. Like okay. my, my my mom, my dad, and my sister, and we didn't really know what to expect. It was just to like, go, oh, hey, cool, we'll go here. And then, like, my mom, sister, and I, when my dad was in the washroom, like, the three of us got, like, beer thrown on us by, like, older people. And even to Brady threw a pick, and some old guy just started, ran down the stairs, started yelling in my face. He was like, sit down. I'm just like, okay, cool. Oh, my like, God. Yeah. 
<laughs> Luckily, though, one of the players, like his, um, I think it's like it's either his father or his uncle and like his like cousins were sitting right behind us. And basically they told off the other fans because they were saying like, look, we know we're their visitors and everything. But since then, that more than anything is really what fueled my hatred for the Buffalo Bills was just not based on the team or anything like that. It was just the in like how that's where like you and I both come in. Like we know how obnoxious Bills fans can be. Like there's, oh, yeah. there's, there's a couple of them that like, I know Bills fans and there's one Bills fan, shout out Joe Miller, who I've had on this podcast before. And it's like fun to talk with, but at the same time too, like I wouldn't, I'm not exactly rushing to go back to a Bills game. Cause even then, like I probably have, I have a generic Nike football hoodie that I probably just wear in there. But like, even too, like, it's so weird. Cause I've been to Sabres games before, like again, whether it's against the Leafs or, the other thing too is I meant to, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before. I, I'm a big Ovi guy, so like I go when Washington's there. I know right now Boston Washington's not exactly in good terms because uh, of what happened with uh, Car- we'll talk we'll we'll save that for another time with the whole Carl right. Wilson incident. Yeah. Um, but I've never had any problems down there. I've had maybe like someone like just a quick chirp or I got the Jersey bird, but besides that, like nothing really. So it's like a just a change of worlds, like how. You can go from hostile and threatening to like, oh, yeah, whatever. And also, too, there was one Sabres game I went to against Washington where they were giving out, like, these rally towels, and the guy was so hesitant. He did not want to give it to me. He just, like, kind of like, okay, here. Here you go. And I was like, I'm here. It's a giveaway. Like, you're going to refuse me, man? Like, I go to Jays games all the time, like, when they do bobblehead days. And I was at a one against the Yankees when it was a Donaldson bobblehead. And I still saw Yankees fans with Donaldson bobbleheads. So I'm like, guys, guys, chill, chill. Yeah, I uh, I get problems with Yankees fans at Yankee Stadium. Like when I go to Yankee, because I go to I've been to Yankee Stadium to watch the Red Sox play there, and yeah. like you always get a hard time from them. But I'm just used to it now. Exactly. Uh, that's one stadium I've been to. Because if we're talking, you know, I'm gonna talk stadiums because there's a few Fenway. Surprisingly, though, and you may not like this, Fenway's number two on my list of all time that I've been to. Because number one is on the north side of Chicago. I I went to Fenway first in 2010. But in 2016, I went to Wrigley. Wrigley. I heard Wrigley's great. Wrigley. It, and they actually announced today, I saw a TikTok, actually. They're, and by the way, Gabby's not on TikTok, at Boston Balling. I'm on TikTok, at YWC Football Talk. I do a bit of everything, but follow us both on TikTok, guys. Even if you're watching this later. But um, I just want to say that because the mayor of Chicago announced today that Cubs fans and Red, White Sox, I almost said Red Sox, White Sox fans are going to be able to go to games at both stadiums this coming off season, uh, this coming season, which yeah. starts soon. And like even to California is opening up, which California is one of the most more restrictive states when it comes to that. So it's just good to see everything opening up and normal starting to return. But no offense to Fenway, like Fenway was great. Like I loved it walking down Yaki. I love how they closed the street off and like how there's like a huge merch store on the one side. I, I was there like ten years ago, so it may have changed. But how there's all that and then. But Wrigley, though, it's just there's something about Wrigley. It's like very similar setups, but I just walked into Wrigley and I was just like, "There's something special about this place." Like, I do recommend you going though, whenever you're, whenever you feel comfortable traveling again. I need to go. Yeah, that's one of those places that I'm like, I really need to go. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, I want to switch gears actually here, get back to football and a little more. Let's talk. I want to talk Patriots with you because I've seen you on Twitter how your feelings towards the quarterback situation are right now with uh, Cam and everything, obviously. But I don't know if it was that podcast that he did or if it was something else that kind of, like, got me thinking, like, the more I think about it, like, because there was a I, – by the way, I do this all where I go, like, kind of my mind just goes <laughs> – uh, But um, where – 
because remember week 17, there was a report from Schefter saying, hey, Cam more than likely is not coming back. He, um, like, they're probably going to go separate ways. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, hey, he may come back. Like, the Patriots have been kind of quiet. Like, I'm at that crossroads right now where part of me wants to, like, if he comes back, like, I'm not going to be pissed. But I know you have different feelings than that for me. So I want to get a gauge on, like, if it's not Cam, what would you like to see happen with the quarterback room in Foxborough this coming season? Yeah, well, I've, I've seen a lot come out recently that basically Jimmy Garoppolo is their number one um, is their number one plan right now. Like, that's plan A, is that they want to yeah. focus on him. Obviously, it also depends on what San Fran decides to do. Um, but they're basically saying, like, they would prefer Jimmy Garoppolo over anybody else. So that makes me feel like they might not bring back Cam um, unless it's, like, unless, like, Jimmy G doesn't work out for whatever reason. But they also said that they're – hardcore studying and focusing on a lot of um, the quarterbacks in the draft class. Um, but at the end of the day, I really don't see Bill drafting a um, big quarterback, a quarterback in this draft class, like unless it's later. If they can get a solid quarterback later in the draft, I think I would like to see them maybe do that. Sign Jimmy Garoppolo, um, who can play and already knows the system, and we know that Bill likes him and um, he can play for this team, but then also maybe draft a young quarterback later later in the draft because there's other positions that they need to address as well. Um, maybe draft a young quarterback later in the draft that can develop into the system while Jimmy Garoppolo is playing. So then when that quarterback is fully developed and they feel like they can start him, it leaves them that flexibility to be able to have another quarterback that they can start because Stidham is not going to cut it, I don't think. And I honestly don't think that Cam – coming back would solve a lot of the problems because yeah, I mean, he didn't have a lot of weapons around him and he didn't really get an off season to repair with this team. And we get all of that, but at the same time, like there were a lot of situations where he was just not on target. And that kind of concerns me too, is his accuracy. And I think that that's something that we all need to keep in mind um, when it comes to this season, because even if they get weapons for him, he himself as a quarterback, I have not seen enough instances where I feel like I can rely on him to be clutch and lead us to the postseason um, effectively. And I think I would trust Jimmy Garoppolo in that role more than him um, because I do like what I've seen from Jimmy G. I mean, when he wasn't injured, injuries obviously concern me, but I mean, he led his team to the Super Bowl, you know, in 2019. So I think that that's something to keep in mind too. And with Bill saying that plan A is Jimmy Garoppolo, I think I like that. And I think that I'd be happier if we ended up with him and then maybe later on in the draft, if there's still some solid quarterbacks available, maybe take somebody that they can develop into the system under Garoppolo. Um, I completely agree with that. Like part of me is not a whole thing with Cam where it's like, look, yeah, he didn't get a proper offseason, but I look at a lot of his stories. I was even thinking about it when you said it. Even the accuracy, but even, too, there was a lot of the times where I feel like he was, like, stuttering and panicking, and then he would just take a meaningless sack or even, to just, like, air it out for, like, a 5- or 10-yard incompletion. Like, just – there was yeah. just those little things where you're watching it where you're, like, why? Like I'm like, like can you not do that? Like, you don't need to take a sack here. Yeah, like, we – like, that's – like, I love the Week 17 game against the Jets, but I also hate it because I'm, like – where was this like a month ago? Where was this like in yeah. like late October when you were, when you obviously were coming back from COVID? Cause I think if he makes a few key throws, like it just pains me. Cause like, I think we beat the Broncos. Like if he yeah. doesn't fumble, we probably beat the bills that week. Um, Seattle, that's the yeah. only one I give. I give a pass on Seattle. Cause I'm like, that was a good defensive stop. But like, 
watching games like the Chargers and the Jets, it kind of like makes you think. The Texans were another one. Yeah, the Texans, that, that was the big one for accuracy. He had a great day. He got some big throws off, but then it was at the end of the game too. I believe it was yeah. Izzo just made a play where he wasn't supposed to. Um, but I also love the people who kind of go, I, I'm actually going to save that for later. Um, but part of me also thinks too, the Niners could release Jimmy just because I feel like they may try to find a trade, but if they can't, they'll, um, that's when, that's when he'll get cut. So basically they'll find a, try to find a trade. But if we see a tweet from Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, whoever that says Jimmy G has been released from the Niners, Patriots Twitter will lose their fucking minds. Yeah, no, I know I know like people who people who follow me. You think the Belichick gifts I tweet out now are bad? That day, I'm t- I, like, as soon as I see that, it's like the photo of him drinking the orange juice in the one room. It's him walking into the stadium in Detroit. It's the one of him at the combine where I think he's eating peanuts or like something, <laughs> and then he's like as the binoculars. Like you'll see that like back to back to back, and I will not apologize for it. <laughs> so that's I've been saying that like if we see Jimmy Garoppolo gets released, like Patriots Twitter is just gonna lose their minds. But like if they bring him back here to everyone going on the whole oh. He's this, he's that. When he's healthy, because the 2018, when he tore his ACL, he actually, it was weird. He kind of like was trying to be a hero and he was trying to get out of the way of the play. And if he'd stayed, if he had gone the other way where he would have stayed inbounds, he would have been fine. He went the way he went to go out of bounds to try to get out of bounds. That's where his knee jerk. So if he doesn't get hurt that year, I have the Niners making the playoffs going into 2018. Yeah, no, me too, actually. So, so like even this year too, like a high ankle sprain is just like a freak injury. It's not like, oh, he's injury prone. Like, yeah, it's a torn ACL. Like Tom Brady had a torn ACL, and we're not calling him injury prone. The guy <laughs> won a Super Bowl through the Lombardi Trophy, got absolutely just polluted, which respects, uh, because I would look like a mess if that was me, and did all that. But then we even too, he had his offseason surgery where it's just like, there, Patrick Mahomes, same thing. He had a surgery. Like, just because someone gets injured a couple of times doesn't make them injury prone. Like, if yeah. every play they're going out there and you're kind of holding your breath, then there's a difference. Yeah, I wouldn't consider Jimmy G injury prone. Like, he's not a quarterback that I would define as that, but I do think that that is something that we have to just be aware of and be cautious about since he will be coming off of an injury and just kind of, you know, just being aware of, of, um, just his history the last couple of years with injuries, but I wouldn't necessarily consider him somebody that injuries long-term I would see being something that would be a huge issue with somebody like him just because he got injured. You know what I mean? That's not necessarily, yeah. you know, like it's rare that somebody never gets injured. So like it's, it's, I'm not going to hold that against him, but I would be excited to see him back in new England. Cause I think that that actually could be a good match as long as they build a team around him and they get some weapons. Yeah, that's the thing, too, because this team has the fourth most cap room. That's the thing that's something I think a lot of people are, whenever everyone says, oh, the Patriots are on a downward trajectory, I'm like, a te- the team's got $60 million to spend, but also, too, they have a lot of carryover into next year, so they can even save, not go crazy, because that's the other thing, too. I was mentioning earlier how I did a mock draft. I actually did an article on, I started writing on WordPress, just kind of like get more active within the, just football Twitter, but I did an article saying who they could bring in, and like, they don't have to break the bank necessarily. Like when Adam Humphreys got released, like I was saying, oh, that's a good Patriot. Like when Kyle Rudolph, like those are guys you can sign on the cheap because the one thing that a lot of people outside of Foxborough aren't focusing on is this team has a lot of in-house stuff that I would love to see get done. Like if I had to make a list of in-house guys who I want to see signed, it's JC Jackson, it's Adam Butler, and it's someone who is probably the most critical part to this team and his, his talent kind of goes unnoticed by people who aren't the Patriots fans is David Andrews. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And, yeah. and, you know, like you said, there's a lot of key parts to this team that we need to make sure that Bill is just, is making those right moves because this is going to be one of those off seasons where if he doesn't do things right and he doesn't build a team, then no quarterback is going to be able to succeed in this system. And that's going to be an issue. And I think there's plenty of opportunity, like you said, with the cap space and with a lot of the draft class coming in, I think there's plenty of opportunity to address a lot of those positions that, um, that need the help. And with the COVID opt-outs too, I think having some of those players come back is something to consider as well, because the, the Patriots had so many COVID opt-outs this season to some key players too. So I think bringing some of those players back is going to be something that we need to think about and keep in mind too. But I also do, I also could see them possibly getting rid of um, Gilmore. And I think that it depends what they would get it in return for him, but I would be okay with that if they can get some real value in return that actually makes them more in contention to be a playoff team. Cause there's a lot of other missing pieces that they need. And, and that's a name that's being thrown around a lot as somebody that we could see, um, you know, as a possibility for them to ship out this year. Um, speaking of the COVID opt-outs, I'm just going to pull something that Randy's been posting. This right here. No, it's true. Yeah, I mean, and people forget about Tante Hightower because, like, um, because he wasn't playing, and people forget like how important he actually really is. You know, he, he him being gone made a huge, huge difference, and I think we saw that difference, and it was blatant. And him coming back is going to make a, a difference, and people don't really see that now or are talking about that now. Obviously, that's not the only solution, but that is going to make a difference in a positive way when he's back on this team. It raises locker room morale, and that's something that goes unnoticed as well. Is not how yeah. is your chemistry on the field, how is your chemistry away from the lock, away from the field, like in the locker room. Like one guy I love to say too, who goes so unnoticed is Matthew Slater. Just like everything he's him. able to do, like those, like just little videos, like him in the locker room. He's the one, the, the little guy, the special teamers who. I, I also think like David Andrews, like Matthew Slater, those guys like seem like they're gonna be here their whole careers. Like I don't see I can't see them in any uniform that's not a Patriots uniform. Like well, we obviously did Tom Brady too though. Uh, we did say that about Tom, but just something about like Slater and stuff like that. Like obviously Brady, there was the difference. Everyone likes to have their own narrative. I yeah. just think it was Bill didn't want it was just uh Bill wanted to, Bill was okay giving the money, it was just the term. That's that's another topic for another day because next Wednesday's that dark anniversary of that. Um Yeah. But with Hightower, though, like, it's – I tweeted so much this year of a gif of Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine just going, pain. And it would be – that was either for that or also, too, was that. Because I'm just like, I miss Hightower. I get why he opted out. Like, his mom is diabetic. He just had a kid. Like, I'm not knocking him for opting out. Like, look. His safety and his family's safety first. And, like, people exactly. him for that and getting mad. I didn't agree with that. Because I'm like, I mean, he has to – there's other factors besides football in his life. You know what I mean? And like, he needs to consider his family too. And I think it's really big of him to say, you know, my family's really important to me and I want to keep them safe. I have people in my family that are medically compromised and I, I don't fault the guy for doing that, but we, he was missed and him coming back is going to be impactful for, for this team. And I'm excited to see that. But like you said about players like Matthew Slater, I mean, I'd love to see him be a, a, a career-long Patriot. I mean, that'd be nice to see. Um, I do think that it'd be in their best interest to maybe consider parting ways with Nikhil Harry because he just hasn't really shown 
any sort of improvement. And I was, I was of, I was so much on the Nikhil Harry train when I drafted him because I loved watching him in college and he was so good. And I was so excited. I was like, that's a great pick. Like he's going to be great here. And he just has not really panned out. So I, I do think that it might be in their best interest to try to turn him around and maybe get something for, for him just because it just doesn't seem like the Patriots are the right system for him to be in. Exactly. That's just, just another one. Like you wanted it to work and then you got injured out of camp and then you had all this other stuff. And even to like, uh, like in the comments right here, I'm going to bring up in a sec, but I want to go back to the Patriot quarterback thing just to say what I, because with the draft, I would, would I love to see them get aggressive and like, you know what, if Mac, if some, I was going to say Mac Jones, if Zach Wilson were to fall, would I love to see that happen? Yeah, but that's not going to happen. Like obviously no, it's going to be Wilson one, it's going to be Lawrence one, Wilson two. Gone. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna see Zach Lawrence. Uh, Zach Lawrence, excuse me, <laughs> Zach Wilson uh, will be coming yeah. into Foxborough, but he won't be there. Like, I would love to see. Uh, I would love to see, like, even even to like Mac Jones is just at fifteen. Like, I know someone's gonna reach for him. I'm looking at guys like a Felipe Franks or a Kellen Mond or even a Sam Ellinger or even like guys like that. Like, because Kellen Mond's like Senior Bowl just raised his stock incredibly. No, like so these if we can quarterbacks either, like these yeah. are solid college quarterbacks that are not projected to go super early, but might be able to serve as a good backup quarterback for the Patriots while they just develop into the system and train under somebody like a Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I would be totally okay with any of those quarterbacks. Like those are solid quarterbacks. It's not like it needs to be Mac Jones because he's probably not going to be available. Even neither is Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, most likely. So you know. Exactly. Like, like Kellen Mond, they can get with their 46th pick. It's just because of the whole Cincinnati uh, filming incident that happened, uh, we yeah. don't have a pick in the third round right now. So we're between 46 to 96. So I think Bill's going to try to get a pick somewhere in there. I was going to say, I wonder if try to trade up because I feel like that might be beneficial for this team right now. And, and, and just based on the situation and the scenario, I w- almost wonder if he would try to trade up and get an earlier pick. Um, in that in that that whole mix where they have that huge gap with no pick. Yeah, I think he'll try to move up or he'll do some maneuvering around like how they did last year. The one thing I will say though about him, like with everything with this team that I can see happening that I'm actually really pretty good feeling about is I don't think they're going to stay at 15. If fortunes fall to them and they do great, but I think that if either someone drops, like if Devontae Smith drops or Kyle Pitts starts to fall, I think they're going to move up to try to get them. Or if by the time 15, because like how last year they traded out of 23, went back to 35, got Duggar. That's where I think they can make up their moves too. So say at 15, because last year I have the belief that Belichick wanted Justin Jefferson at 23, but he went to 22 to the Vikings. So that's why he traded out of that pick. And then obviously the Chargers got Kenneth Murray. Um, Yeah, I think that is who he was targeting with that pick though. And then when the Vikings took him, he was like, okay, and that's why he traded out of that specific pick because he didn't necessarily feel like he needed that pick anymore because Jefferson, I think, was the one that he was aiming for. But I do like your thinking. I do think that if some of these other key players that you mentioned, I mean, Kyle Pitts would be huge. I mean, that oh. that somebody like that on the in a Patriots uniform, I'd love to see. But you're right. I think if those players, if more and more picks are, are passing and those players are starting to fall, we might see him try to do something like that and make some kind of move. Exactly. Or even to say if uh, Jimmy doesn't get traded now and he's still a Niner at the uh, – you don't really see many player trades at the deadline, but even yeah. to uh, 
you could see the Patriots and the Niners doing a deal where, like, you know what, the Niners move back. Because the Niners, I believe, are at 12. So the Niners move back from 12 to 15, and then the Patriots maybe have to give them something else. Or even, like, say, a 2022 third rounder or a 20 or, like, a sixth rounder this year. Something yeah. like that. Like, I can see that happening. Like, if, Ky- like if, if Pitts or Devontae Smith or even if, like, Jalen Waddell, like, guys like that drop. But even to like when I was doing just the whole draft lookups, like other guys I liked who I think if we stayed at 15 that we could get is like a Rashad Bateman, like someone like that. Yeah. 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 Like There's this year though. A lot of good players in this draft class. Like a lot even, of good players. And I feel like we, this is going to be a very, very important draft year for New England. And I think that there's a lot of options that they can't really go wrong with. And so I think that if some of these key players are starting to drop, we do, we maybe do see a move, but even if they don't, like you said, there's a lot of other solid players that they can get with these picks later on. Exactly. Like that's another thing too. Like everyone, I feel like everyone thinks you have to, that's why Belichick is so heavily criticized. I feel like, cause it's like, Oh, he hasn't found that first round stud. If yeah. you look at Belichick's draft history, what he does on Friday and Saturday, cause I think that I started to think this and I believe this, that what you do on Friday and Saturday will help your team more than what you do on the Thursday. Obviously Thursday's a big day, but it's only one player. It's a Thursday's honestly a lottery ticket, but look at Michael Owenu from this year. Like even Devin Asiasi, even though it took him a while to get going, he um, had some off the field stuff he had to deal with. But if we see the Devin Asiasi, we saw during the uh, New York Jets game, in 2021, this Patriots tight end room is already a hundred percent better than it was last year. So like, there's all this talent that they could get in rounds two to seven that, you know, what can come in and make an impact. Like I've seen some redrafts from last year and Michael Owen was going in the first round. Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, even Tom Brady was a later pick, which is crazy to think about too. And like, because I mean, Belichick never, he's never drafted a quarterback in the first round. He just doesn't do that. And he doesn't no. necessarily have to still do that because you already said, I mean, with Jimmy G and that's plan A, and I think a veteran quarterback seems to kind of be the general consensus in terms of where where they're aiming for this offseason. And, and he really can get away with drafting a quarterback later. And I just think there's a lot of options and a lot of places he can go this year. And it's going to be really interesting to see what he, do, he does on the second and third day, like you said, and just kind of seeing – the types of players that he drafts then because those players could end up being a key, a key part of this team. Exactly. Like I was looking into like some Patriot mock drafts and stuff. Like there's a lot of players later on that they can get that can come in and make an impact. Cause like even to look at Rob Gronkowski was a second round pick. Aaron Hernandez, yeah. I think was, uh, I know that's a very sensitive subject, but he was like a yeah. third or fourth round pick. Um, yeah. I, I still believe that if it weren't for his off the field antics, he could have been a great tight end in this league. Um, I know that's a very sensitive subject, but that's just a point I want to make. Like you see guys like that who come out. Uh, Julian Edelman was a seventh round pick. And like, even Randy mentioned it down. Oh, um, uh, what's it called? Like, yeah, he mentioned, uh, pardon me. Uh, let's see right here. Uh, what, uh, who knows if Edelman will be healthy to play. Um, that's a big question going into this year, but like guys like Julian Edelman who were, uh, the seventh, seventh round, 232nd overall. I am losing my footing because we've got some other questions. Uh, but I have a question for you from actually Randy Osgas asking you a question. What team do you think will make the playoffs this year that didn't last year? That's a good question. I'd love to say the Patriots, but they're really, that's just, there's too many question marks and too many variables with the Patriots for me to confidently say them right now. I need to wait and see what the rest of their offseason entails. I think the Cardinals could be a team that makes the playoffs this year that didn't last year. 
Um, I, like, I think that they're in the right heading in the right direction, and especially because they just signed JJ Watt. I think that that's going to be um, that could prove to be um, a good situation for them. So they're a team that pops into my head as somebody right now. I think that I could see making the playoffs that didn't last year, and um, it, for the AFC, I'd say maybe the Dolphins, um, who came really close last year to making the playoffs, and just the course didn't fall their way with with this too many scenarios and other teams that locked in those playoff spots. Um, but I do think the Dolphins are a team that can make the playoffs this year that didn't last year, too. Um, the Dolphins, the Chargers, I think the Dolphins will make it, especially, too, because I can see who knows what Pittsburgh's going to be. Baltimore's another big question mark. Obviously, you've got Lamar Jackson, but that's just a situation mm-hmm. that's a little messy. Yeah, the Ravens, I mean, who knows if Lamar Jackson is going to be able to maintain the style of play that, like, we've seen. I mean, we already still haven't seen the Lamar MVP Lamar Jackson, like we still haven't seen him that that Lamar Jackson since then, really. You know what I mean? And so, who knows if 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 the Ravens are really going to be able to be one of those teams that can stay competitive? I think the Browns are going to be better than them um, in the next it, it, this year. Even I think that the Browns are going to be. I think the Browns win their division. To be honest with you, um, I think the Steelers are hanging on to Big Ben for a little bit too long. Um, I think that he's kind of reached his end point maybe. And I, I think that we see Cleveland win that division. Um, I think there'll be a serious threat in the playoffs this year. I think KC has been exposed now. And now that we know that they're a beatable team, I think there's going to be other teams in the AFC that they run into as a challenge this year, maybe. And it's not just going to be KC or bust. You know what I mean? I think there's going to be other good teams coming out of the AFC this year that could beat the chiefs. Um, and I think Buffalo has a really good chance to maybe go all the way this year. Um, I just, I really liked what I saw from them and the season Josh Allen had, and they just seem to be putting a lot of pieces together. And I, I do think that they're a team that I could really see maybe getting over that hump and going to the Super Bowl this year too. So the AFC East is going to be a tough division once again. Yeah, that's all. I, I, we're going we're to wrap up soon, guys, because uh, uh, just because Gabby does have uh, other commitments she has to get to. But um, one thing I want to say right now is all I ask for in the AFC East is parity. Look, like, the, yeah. like if the Patriots like are were in the Dolphins' position this year, where they finished ten and six but just missed the playoffs, I'm not going to be mad. Um, as the sports dudes Hines show just comes in saying, so Brevin Jordan, I don't know if you know this, he's a tight end from the U, like yeah. U Miami. I would like to see them draft a tight end. It's just with potential cuts like Zach Ertz, Kyle Rudolph, like I'd rather see them bring those guys in just because we drafted two tight ends last year. Yeah. And it kind of stunts the development of guys like uh, Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi. Obviously Keene didn't have a lot of moments to shine and Asiasi only has a couple. But I feel like if we can get a proper offseason in with those guys, they'll develop further. So I would love Brevin Jordan or even Tommy Trumbull from Notre Dame. Uh, Kyle Rudolph actually said that he wants to go to New England too. Like he, yeah. he actually came out and said after he was released that he's considering the Patriots that that would be a place that he would go. And I, I really would like to see somebody like him who's a veteran and has been in the league to maybe help with with working with some of these young players like the young tight ends and bring somebody like a Kyle Rudolph in who we know would want to play there. I would love to see something like that. Like a blast from the past from the Patriots. Do you remember Algie Crumpler? Yeah. That's a, exact that's same a, thing. That's a that's a throwback. Yeah, like I because the same thing too. And um, before, like I said, just because uh, I'm going to respect your commitments and everything. Uh, the biggest bust this year, I am definitely going to say the Steelers. Uh, I would say the Dallas Cowboys, but just because of uh, injury, I'm not going to yeah, go that route. The Cowboys it's the Steelers. Get now because we can't say them because it was just 
it was just that with the injury, it's hard to really put them in that category. Exactly. Exactly. Um, are in that category though, because they, I mean, starting off the way that they did and being undefeated and supposed to be this team that like makes this big run and goes all the way. And then having that embarrassing loss to the Browns, I think that kind of in itself shows like how much of a failure their season really was at the end of the day. I mean, no, this is not a knock on Mike Tomlin as a coach. I think he's a really good coach. I just think that there's just a lot of issues there. And I really do think that big Ben is really getting to that point. If he hasn't already where he pretty much is, probably done and so I don't quite get that they're still holding on to him and I don't really see them as a super huge threat this year in the AFC and I think their defense was exceptional and put them kind of ahead of a lot of other teams but I just don't see them as a team that I see really being a huge threat later on like when it comes to crunch time and you need Big Ben to make big plays when he's not really a quarterback I don't think that is as capable of doing that anymore. Exactly, because yeah. I, I, but I just feel like they're bringing him back just because they don't have anything other options. But I think it's his <laughs> last year because re- regardless of what Ben does this year, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, oh he's yeah, gonna, no, no, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna question that either. No, he's got he's got two rings. He's in that he's yeah. in that different category where I always say this: like winning one is great, winning two puts you in a different stratosphere. That's what the whole the, always the knock against guys like Breeze and Rogers. Is, is yeah, look, if, if they need to Rogers wins another ring, then we can really put him in that conversation. But uh, until he wins another ring, I don't think I can confidently put him in that type of conversation. But Big Ben, I mean, he could have retired th- at th- the end of this season and he would be in that category. But I think you're right. I think this is his last year, regardless. He, you know, like it, it doesn't. He doesn't need to really do anything else or prove anything else. Exactly. And there's also to one very key free agent that they have who I honestly, this is going to sound like a hot take and I wouldn't mind seeing in New England, but is Juju Smith-Schuster. And that's only if basically they tell him, look, you can do whatever you want when you're away from the facility, whether it be TikTok, Fortnite, social media, you get in here, you do your job. That's probably the only thing I'd ask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the TikTok stuff is obviously just a little discouraging. But no, I wouldn't. As a player, I would not mind having him in New England if he can get it together. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, anyway, guys. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to answer this question right here. He is, but he's not first ballot. He's going to get in second ballot because if you look at the back half, of, he's got two Super Bowls. I agree. But yeah, I think as well when your dad and your brother are as high profile as they are, he's going to get in. Yeah, he'll get in for sure. I don't know if, if every quarterback like him would get in if they didn't have, like you said, like a brother and dad like he had. They might not. He'll get in. He's just definitely not a first ballot for sure. I totally agree with you on, with you on that. Yeah, like Philip Rivers. I, I think Philip Rivers could be first ballot as well, but we'll see. Um, but anyway, guys, that's going to do it for us. We've been here talking. It's been a blast getting to talk to Gabby once again, on especially on a day like this, guys. Because uh, go listen to her podcast. But you know what? Instead of me telling you to listen to it, I'm going to let her plug her information away. So before we wrap up, Gabby, take it from here. Sure. So Boston Walling is on all social media and all podcast streaming platforms. You can subscribe there. Um, you can follow it at Boston Balling on Twitter and at Boston underscore Balling underscore podcast on Instagram. There's a Boston Balling Facebook page. I stream my episodes live every Tuesday to that Facebook page. Um, so you can check me out there. I would definitely really appreciate uh, the support as I continue to grow the show and, and just uh, just appreciate people listening. 
Well, anyway, it's great to hear, guys. So give her a, go give Gabby a follow like she did on all platforms. She usually goes live on Tuesday nights, so give it a check out, guys. It's worth it. She talks about all different kind of Boston sports. Randy, I know you would love it because Randy Osga is a Boston fan, true and through. But anyway, Gabby, it was a blast getting to talk to you here today on episode number 70 of YWC Football Talk, guys. Mm-hmm. My road to 100 is slowly coming up. Uh, I have big podcasts coming up. I have Pro Football Focus's Austin Gale coming on this Thursday for a live stream. And next Wednesday, me and some of the regulars here on YWC Football Talk will be here to cover all things free agency. So that's going to wrap it up for us here. Gabby, it was a blast having you on once again. Go check her stuff out, guys. And uh, we'll see you later. And uh, I'm going to have to get Gabby on sooner than later because the fans love her. (laughs) Thank you again. No problem. You're welcome. Have a good night, everybody. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.